Hello, Parkview. How we doing? Good, good? Yeah. Good to see everybody this weekend. I want to welcome everybody on all of our campuses, Homer Glen, New Lenox, Orland Park, everybody who's watching uh, around online. Uh, it's going to be a great day uh, together today. Uh, we are wrapping up this series on Jonah chapter four today. And so if you have a Bible, smartphone, tablet, however you locate scripture these days, I want to ask you to go ahead and find Jonah chapter four. That's where we're going to be. It's in the Old Testament of the Bible. Uh, the whole book of Jonah is only four chapters. It's only 48 verses, right? Total. The whole story, 48 verses, two pages in your Bible. We've talked about this before. If the two pages stick together, you'll miss the whole story. Right? I mean, it is a short, short story uh, about uh, Jonah, and, but we're going to begin studying that or finish up studying that actually today, so I want to ask you to locate that. And while you're doing that, I want to tell you about something that happened to me uh, this last week. Uh, I was uh, studying for this message, preparing for Jonah chapter 4, and I was up in the mountains. Uh, our family, about 10 years ago, bought a little cabin up in the mountains, about 6,000 feet up in some pines a lot of forest, and, uh, and I go up there sometimes just to write and study. And so I'm up there this last week working on Jonah chapter 4, and I've been working all day uh, just by myself, got everything done, was getting hungry, so I decided to go get an early dinner, drove down into town, 4 or 5 o'clock, got dinner, came back up to the cabin just about an hour before dark. And I get out of my car, I'm standing in my driveway, and I look over to the side of my driveway, and I see this. That's a bear, Parkview. Right, like 15 or 20 feet from me, I'm getting out of my car, and I just kind of like freeze right there. And the bear just kind of looks at me like, what's up? You know, kind of thing. And he was, not, he was not worried at all. I was so nervous. I'm thinking to myself, this is it, Lord. This is where I die. You know, they're not going to find me for days. I'm going to be a bear meal uh, all across. You know, somebody else is going to do Jonah chapter 4 because I'm not going to do Jonah chapter 4. I'm not going to be alive to do Jonah chapter 4. So somebody else is going to have to do it. I don't know who's going to do it. But I guess anyway, uh, I, I did survive. You know, I did grab the bear and beat him. No, anyway, I, I, didn't, I didn't do that. There was no wrestling or no fighting. Uh, and, and actually, I'm not even sure what that uh, picture has to do with the series at all. Uh, but... Uh, Pastor Tim is always showing pictures and videos that have nothing to do with the message, so I'm thinking to myself, no, no, come on, come on. I, I, that, I, I didn't mean to say that. That wasn't supposed to come out. Don't tell him that. Um, actually, what I was thinking was, with, sometimes the book of Jonah is kind of startling, right? Kind of like a bear. It kind of sneaks up on you. We've been studying this the last few weeks, and today in chapter 4 is very similar. It, it's kind of sobering. When we see some of these moments, it's like, whoa, and it kind of brings us back into reality. And so maybe that's why it's kind of like that bear. Uh, to get us all going in the same direction here, let's just be sure of where we've been, in case you haven't been around here for the last uh, few weeks. Uh, the book of Jonah begins with him standing out at this place in Joppa. Uh, it's a port city on the Mediterranean Sea, modern-day Tel Aviv, Israel. And God is calling him to go to this place called Nineveh, about 500 miles to the north and the east. Nineveh is 600,000 to, 600, to a million people, the capital of the Assyrian nation. These people are vicious people. They're the arch enemy of Jonah and his people. He would have considered them basically like terrorists. They, there's all kinds of stories throughout history of the Assyrian people. They would bury people up to their necks, cut out their tongues, take out their eyes, skin people alive. They were awful. Jonah did not want to go preach to them on God's behalf. 
So what he does is he heads off basically in the opposite direction, 1,500, 2,000 miles over here to Tarshish. Everybody on all campuses say Tarshish. Tarshish. It's just fun. Isn't it fun to say? And you're going to miss saying Tarshish. You, you can keep saying it, by the way, if you want to in coming weeks and months. He heads over to Tarshish. This is like the southern tip of Spain. It, it would have taken months to get there. And basically what Tarshish represents is the edge of the known world. Jonah is saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to run from your leading as far as I can in the opposite direction. That's what he does. And essentially, what Jonah is saying to God is this. God, I still believe in you, but I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. You ever been there? God, I still believe in you, but I'm not going to do that. God, I still believe in you. I'll come to church. I'll, I'll be at church. I mean, this is my service. This is my weekend. I'll be at church, but I'm not going to go there. God, I'll still, I'll still read my Bible. God, I'll still talk to you, but don't, I don't want to go talk to them. God, I still believe in you, but I'm not going to do, right now at least, what you're asking me to do. That's kind of where Jonah is. And, and what happens, I think, in our lives is that we kind of try and broker these partial obedience agreements with God. And what happens a lot of times is it just doesn't work out very good for us anyway. So that's kind of where Jonah's at. And if you want to take a look at the chapters we've just been through, chapter 1, the big idea was this. You can run from God, but you can't outrun God. That's kind of been the touchstone for our whole series. You know that. Most of us know that. You can run from him, but you can't outrun him. And the reason you can't outrun God is why? It's because he already knows where you're going to go. He already knows where you're going to run, so he just goes ahead of you, and he waits for you where he knows you're going to end up one day. You can't outrun him. We learned a couple weeks ago that it's never too late to pray in chapter 2. In chapter 2, Jonah's down in the belly of a fish in the bottom of the ocean. And what we learned is no matter how low you are in life, no matter how bad you feel in life, no matter how far you have run from God in your life, it is never too late to pray. Somebody say amen. It's never too late to pray. And then just last week we learned that God is the God of second chances. Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 begins by saying, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It's probably my favorite verse in the whole book. That God is the God of second chances and third chances and fourth and fifth and fiftieth chances for our lives. And that brings us up to Jonah chapter 4. So if you have a Bible with you, a smartphone, tablet, I'm going to read it. It's only 11 verses, so I'm going to read all of it and then we'll pray and, and see what God has to speak to us this week. Chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Now pause right there for a minute. Why is he upset? Why is he angry? It's because God was sparing the people in Nineveh. He was going to forgive them and let them off the hook, basically, and that made him upset. Verse 2. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were so gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city, and there he made a shelter, and he sat in its shade, and he waited to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God provided a vine, and he made it grow up over Jonah and give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. 
But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, and he chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Jonah, do, do, you, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I think that's just how he did it. I do. I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. Well, yeah, we know that, Jonah. You keep saying you want to die. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and as many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned with that great city? The end. Amen. Really? Should I not be concerned with that great city? Question mark. That's it? What in the world are we supposed to do with that? Well, let's pray and dive into what God may have for us today. God, thanks for this time. Thanks for the margin we can create to study your word. And I pray, God, that you would surprise us today with your truth. That, that we could apply this to our lives this week and in coming months. And God, I pray that whether we've heard this story a lot or a little bit, that you would show us some new things for our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're taking notes today, there's several things I want to share with you from Jonah chapter, chapter 4. And the first thing that is, is kind of sobering, but we have to build into our lives is this. That Jonah is offended by God's grace. One of the first things to realize is that he's offended by God's grace. We've already read this in the, the NIV version, the New International Version of the Bible, which probably many of you have. But I want to read it again in the Message Version of the Bible because it it kind of just says it in more of a way that we live our lives here today. So check this out. Starting in chapter 3, verse 10, the very end of chapter 3, God saw what they had done and that they had turned from their evil lives. And he did change his mind about them. What he said he would do to them, he did not do. So God spares the people of Nineveh. He gives them grace. He gives them forgiveness in their lives. As we open up chapter 4 today, Jonah was furious. The fact that God did that. And he lost his temper and he yelled at God. You ever yelled at God, Parkview? You ever had a fit and just kind of yelled at God? He yelled at God and said, God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew that you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready, get this, ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. Isn't that good? To turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. What, what, what Jonah's doing is Jonah's saying, I, I, I knew it. Doggone it, God, I knew it. The reason I ran away was not because I was scared of the people in Nineveh. The reason I ran away is because I was afraid you were going to do this. You were going to spare them. You were going to forgive them. And isn't this incredible, Parkview? I mean, Jonah has been rescued by God. He's been given God's grace. And then he is actually offended that that grace is also being given to other people. And I think many times in our lives, myself included, this is why I can relate so deeply to Jonah. And that is because we all want God's grace in our lives. We all know we need God's grace in our lives. But let me ask you something. Have you ever got God's grace in your life, but then have you ever been offended at how God seems to also give his grace 
to other people, and, and, and then also just between us today, other people who oftentimes don't really deserve it, right? You ever been there? You ever come into church on the weekend on any of our campuses? You come into the lobby, you come into the auditorium, and you see somebody from work. You see somebody from your neighborhood. You see somebody from school, and you start thinking to yourself, whoa, okay, whoa, whoa, okay. What is he doing here? Seriously, I need security. Is there a security still? Because what, what, why, what is he doing here? Or you see somebody and you go, what is, hey, whoa, what is she doing? What is she doing here? And, and you start thinking in your head, you know what? She, she may be fooling some people, but she ain't fooling me, right? That's, that's what we kind of say. That, that's how we say it in our heads. She ain't fooling me. And, and what happens so oftentimes in our lives is, listen, that God rescues us. And, and God forgives us. And we call it amazing Grace, it's something we could never earn, something we could never have deserved. But then what happens is we start acting like we own God's grace. As soon as we get grace in our lives, as soon as I get God's saving grace in my life, then what I start to do is I start to give God advice on who else he should be giving his grace to. Right? You ever been there? It's like, you know, I think them and you got, okay, here's what we're going to do with this, God. Here's how we're going to do this. They're going to get it and they're going to get it. And, and, and here's what we do. If you're taking notes, here's what I, I think we actually do with grace. We just put an asterisk by it. We put an asterisk by God's grace. You know what an asterisk is, right? You're reading something and, and it's like you know the word. You know what the word means. You're familiar with it. But there's an asterisk, which means you need to go down to the bottom of the page. Because there's more down at the bottom of the page. You're going to need to look at the bottom of the page. So you know what the word is, but there's some fine print that goes along with it. And I think that's a lot of times where we live our lives. Yeah, I'm going to give you a grace, but there's some fine print that goes along with it. Here's what you're going to need to do to get the grace that God's already given me. Okay? And this is where I think Jonah is. What happens is, is Jonah gets all worked up. Because God doesn't seem to be dispensing his grace appropriately. In fact, in Jonah chapter 4, verse 3, in the message version, here's what he says. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. God, just do it. Just, just, just kill me. Because if, if this is what you're going to do, if this is how you're going to operate, I, they definitely don't deserve it. I've already decided that. Just kill me. And, and three times in just 11 verses... Jonah just wants to die. Why is that? Why is he so upset? Why is he so angry? Well, I think there's lots of things we could look at, lots of ways to unpack it. But here's a second thing I think we can learn from Jonah, and we're going to see this as we continue on. The reason is, is because Jonah is actually committed to his own comfort. The reason he gets so upset by what God is doing and what God's doing in these people and how God's leading him as a person is because he's committed to his own comfort. He's far more con committed to his comfort than he is God's calling. So he just wants to die. And you know what happens in the story. He goes to the outskirts of town and he sets up you know, on the edge of town and he's looking down on the city to see what God's going to do to it. Maybe he's going to destroy the city. And you also know the geography, right? This is like modern-day Iraq, 
This is where he's at in, in current terms. He's in Iraq, and it is going to be hot, and it is going to be humid. And, and, and so what happens? It says that God makes this plant grow up over his head to give him shade. And, and if you remember this, basically for the first time in the whole story of Jonah, he's happy. He's happy about the plant. It says that Jonah was very happy about the plant. Why? Because he's comfortable. Now he's content. God's taking care of him. He, he's, he's in the shade. He's having his needs met. But then the very next day, what happens? God sends a worm, and this worm starts to chew at this little plant, and it begins to wither. And then by verse 8, we get near the end of the chapter, Jonah again says, I'm just, just I'm better off dead. If this is what's going to happen, God, if, if you're not going to take care of me, then I'm just better off dead. And don't miss what's going on here. This is a huge, huge lesson from Jonah for our lives. Here's what's going on. Jonah is consumed with his convenience, so God consumes his convenience. Jonah is so consumed with his world, his plant, his shade, his needs being met, that God actually consumes, eats up, withers away his convenience. And here's what happens sometimes in our lives, Parkview. God will mess around with your convenience. God will mess around with your comfort in order to get you to see his calling on your life and how he's leading you. And maybe you're right now thinking, you know, Todd, are you saying, okay, time out, time out, time out, time out. Are you saying that God doesn't want me to be comfortable? Are you saying God doesn't want me to have conveniences? And listen, on all of our campuses, listen to me right now. Here's what I'm saying. I am not saying that. I am not saying that God doesn't want you to be comfortable. I'm not saying that he doesn't want to bless you or to have conveniences that we enjoy here. I, I believe that God has no problem with our comfort until it gets in the way of our calling that he's leading us to. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless me just like a parent wants to bless their kid. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you want to bless your kids. You want to bless your grandkids. You want to give them things and set them all up. It's just That's what we want to do. God wants to do that for us. But when our blessings blind us to his call, when our conveniences outweigh our obedience to his calling, there's a problem. There become problems. And that's basically what happens to Jonah. He's so committed to his own comfort that he can no longer see, catch this, what God is doing right around him. He can't see what God is up to. Jonah is sitting on the edge of the city wanting all of them to be condemned and he can't see what God wants to do. God's like, I want to use you right here, right now with these people. But he just can't see it because he's all about his thing, his world, his conveniences. He's upset about the plant and all sorts of things like that. And this is where, it, again, it gets so applicable, I think, to our lives bringing it into where we live today. It gets so applicable to my life. And not, not exactly like Jonah, right? I don't think that any of us, I don't think God is going to call any of us at Parkview to necessarily, you know, bring damnation on a city. You know, like Nashville or Detroit, you're done. You know, I, I doubt it. If, if, if he does that, that would be strange. Um, but, but, but it applies, I think, to our lives. A lot of times what happens is I get going so quick in my life that I completely miss how God wants to use me in the people right around me. I have all kinds of examples about this in my life. I wish I didn't, but I do. 
Lots of examples of how I just get in my own world and don't see what God's doing around me. Let me give you just one example. This goes back about a year or so ago. I was on an airplane. I was on the West Coast flying to the East Coast uh, to be with a church. It was like an all-night flight, a red-eye flight. And so I get on this plane uh, on the West Coast at about 11 or midnight or something like that. And I'm, you know, getting on and I get my seat. I'm about halfway back in the plane. And, and I booked the aisle seat because, you know, that's where you want to be, especially if it's all night so you can get up and down, you know, and everybody has to crawl over you and you can pretend like you're asleep and make them stay there. It's fun. Anyway, um, so, so, right, that's, that's what we do. And so I get my aisle seat and I'm all ready and... And then, and so I'm on early and everybody's getting on the plane. And, and as everybody's getting on the plane, you know what I'm doing? Just the same thing you're doing. I'm like, I'm looking at them. I'm sizing them up going, you know, I hope, I hope he sits here. I hope he doesn't sit here. I hope he's, you know, and I'm looking at their size. I'm looking if they're a talker or not. They're going to talk to me all night. And I'm kind of sizing everybody up, you know, it's getting on the plane. And, and as the plane is about 75%, 80% full, I, I, there's still nobody with me. There's still nobody with me in my row. And so I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm praising the Lord. And I'm like, God, you love me. And this is amazing. And, and so this is going to be a great night. And, and then, no, no kidding, just we're just about ready to go. There's just a few last people getting on the plane, two or three, four people. And this one guy comes up. He, he opens up the bin, and he puts some of his stuff in the overhead bin, which I'm thinking, that, that's fine. You can use the bin all you want. And then he says, um, I, think, uh, I, think that's, I think that's my seat right there. And he's pointing to the window seat by me. And he squeezes in there into that seat. And I want you to know, Parkview, at that moment, my first thought was not, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody to talk to. I hope he's a talker. Maybe, maybe he doesn't know about you, Lord. Maybe I can spend the evening talking to him, and, and maybe I can, I can lead him towards you. This is going to be fantastic. That was not my first thought. My first thought was, there goes my row. There goes my row. This dude's sitting in the row. He's probably going to want to talk to me. I'm going to have to put on my headphones whether I have music on or not. It's just, he's going to want to talk all night. And, and then I immediately go from that to start having a conversation with God. And I start saying, God, okay, God, I thought we had a plan. I thought we had a plan. I mean, I'm traveling for you, God. I'm going all across the country all night. I'm going to speak for you. I thought you were giving me a row. I thought you wanted me to be rested. And I start having this whole conversation with God, right? And here's what happens. Here's what happens, Parkview. For me, so oftentimes... What concerns me is just, I feel like it's just totally different than what concerns God. I just do. And here's what I would say to you. Here, here's just like a challenge to you with this whole series and just from me to you as a friend. Listen, please, 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 Parkview, do not get overly concerned with your own comfort. Just don't do it. And let me show you something that I learned that I feel like God taught me five or six years ago. I wrote it down in my journal. I was in Guatemala. I was in Antigua. I was at language school. I spent three weeks studying Spanish there. I was just all by myself. And I feel like this is one of the things that God taught me during that time. An overcommitment to comfort, to your own comfort, will cause you to miss about 90% of this world. If we get so committed to our own comfort and the conveniences that we have here in the United States, you're going to miss, I'm going to miss about 90% of the rest of the world. You know why? Because most of the rest of the world does not live the way we live here in the United States of America. And they do not have the same conveniences and comforts that we do. And if we get so committed to these, we're never going to go to them, not even for a few days or a few weeks. 
and where God is calling us and leading us. And it's not just around the world and around the globe. It's just across you know, our own street. It, I, I, would, I think God would say to us from this story, hey, Tom, don't, don't get so committed to your own house. You know what? At my house right now, we, we, have, we have some new furniture. We have a great couch. I wish you could all come to my house and see it. We have a fantastic couch. I love my couch. And, and, it, and we have you know, a, a little table beside it. You can put drinks on. We have a TV. I have a great TV, and it, it has like a 1,000 channels. I don't know how many channels it has. It has a lot of channels. And, and maybe you have that. And here's, here's the thing. I can get so committed to my own living room that I won't go across the street to talk to my neighbor. And I think what happens is, is we can't be so committed to our own comfort that we quit going to the places that God is calling us to go, whether that's across the street or across the globe. Amen? That's what happens to Jonah. Jonah gets committed to his own comfort and his own ease and his own world, and God calls him on it. He absolutely calls him on it. And we can learn a lot from God's words and conversation with Jonah. In fact, we can gain wisdom from their conversation to maybe save us some pain in our own lives. So let's take a look at this. Let's see how this all wraps up. Chapter 4, verse 9. But God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it, or you did not make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. This probably means children. And as many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Question mark. And that's how it all ends. And I'm reading through that over and over and over, and I'm thinking to myself, serious? Can you do that? Can you end with a question mark? I mean, is that legal? Can God do that? Evidently he can. Should I not be concerned about that great city? What in the world is he trying to say? Here's what I think he's trying to say to Jonah. Jonah, Jonah, listen. Listen, I know that those people in Nineveh, they're not your friends. I know you don't like them. I know they're actually vicious people. I know those Assyrian people have done some bad things. And you know what, Jonah? They're probably still going to do some more bad things in the future. But they are still people who are made in my image? Should I not be concerned about that great city? And I've been trying to think, how do we talk about this? How do we wrap this up? I mean, how do we pull this all together when it just ends seemingly so abruptly with with a question mark? And I think there's probably lots of things that we could talk about or ways we could pull this together, but here's, here's how I really feel. Like God has been pulling and challenging my heart if you distill it all down and how God is leading us as a community around here at Parkview. If you want to write down one last lesson from chapter 4 and from this series, here's what I think it should be. God wants us to be concerned with eternal things. Period. God wants us to be concerned with eternal things things. Jonah's concerns were not the same as God's concerns. It's like God saying, hey, 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 Jonah, listen, listen, Jonah, you and I are not on the same page. What concerns you and what concerns me are two very different things. And again, this is where the story of Jonah so oftentimes hits home to me. And maybe it's going to hit home to you right now today. It's going to be like that bear that kind of sneaks up on you and has you go, whoa, okay, whoa, that that woke me up. 
I think this may be what happened. And, and here's what I want to say to you, Parkview. And I just want you to hear this. Uh, I, I, in a general way in my life, in an overarching way, I am very concerned with people. I love people. I, I love you. I love being a part of this team. The last year and a half or so and into the future, this is my place. I love being here with you. I love people. And I'm very concerned about people coming to know Jesus. I am. But here's what I also need you to know. If you look at the everyday little details of my life, and if you followed me around last week or you follow me around this week, I'm afraid there'd be just a lot of moments where you would realize and I would have to admit that there's a little Jonah in me. I mean, there's a little Jonah that lives in me. And and here's what I've come to realize about myself. Though I love people and I'm concerned with people coming to know Jesus, Here's what I've learned. On on a typical week, I'll go get coffee. Four or five mornings a week, I'll go to somewhere like Starbucks and I'll get coffee. And as soon as I come into Starbucks, doesn't matter what time it is, if it's before 10 a.m., there's always going to be, there's a huge line, it seems like. And I step in there and I see the line and I start thinking to myself, are you kidding me? What are all these people doing? Where have they been? Why do they need coffee? Can't they get coffee at home? I mean, they should be getting coffee at home. I'm the one who needs coffee. They don't need coffee. And guess what? I'm far more concerned with the length of the line than I am the people standing in line right beside me. I hardly ever talk to them. Just true. A couple times a month, I go get my car washed. And when my car, maybe you've been there, my car is coming out of the car wash and they put it under one of those big awning things and a bunch of people come out and start drying it off. Listen, I am way more concerned that they're getting the car dried off right because if there's still some water on it and I start driving it, it's going to streak and stuff like that, right, and ruin my whole wash. And so I'm, I am way more concerned with the cleanliness of my car than I am those people who are drying it off. I don't think, the truth is, this is just me, insight into me. I hope this doesn't burst your bubble about me, but I don't even know that I've ever really talked to him. I mean, I've given him a tip a couple times, but I've, I've never really talked to him. Here's another thing about me, just, just one other thing, and, and that is I, I, I love being here. I love, you know, coming in and being a part of this team. This is my place. This is my home, and when I'm here, Tim is usually gone, Pastor Tim, and so I usually stay around his house, and I'm a pretty regimented person. I have pretty much a routine, so when I come into town, you know, on Fridays or something like that, usually what I always do on Friday night, here's what I always do when I get here. I order pizza. I do. I get pizza delivered, right? Because I'm in Chicago. And, and you know what I do? Here's, some of you are going to love this. Some of you are going to hate it. You know what I order? I order beggar's pizza. <laughs> I order beggar's pizza. I do just because I love it. And, uh, you know, the fact that a small pizza cost me $27.95, that's another story for another time because I put a lot of stuff on it. That's a, whole, that's a whole other thing we need to talk about. But what happens, what happens is just, this just happened just the other night. No kidding, this happened just the other night. When, when the pizza comes to my house, I am so much more concerned with if it is, is swift, if it got there quickly, and if, if it's still warm, than I am the person who's traveling all around the city delivering these pizzas. I am. Just the other night, I open it up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's still warm. Good, good job. And I, I, have, I have very little concern with the person, oftentimes, who's delivering the pizza, and I, it's just amazing to me, it's astounding to me how caught up and how emotional I personally can get over things that 24 hours from now won't even matter. Coffee, clean car, pizza, and how I can completely overlook the people who are going to live forever. If God would have a word for me in my life, 
and maybe for you and maybe for Jonah, I think what God would want to say to us as we wrap all of this up, as we look at this story and maybe part of the reason it's given to us, here's what I think God would want to say to us. Do you realize this, folks? Do you realize? Do you realize the only thing you can take with you to heaven is other people? Do you know this? You, you aren't going to take coffee to heaven. It's not going to happen. You're, 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 going to take, you're not going to take pizza to heaven. I mean, beggar, beggars, it's already going to be there, I think. I think beggars will already probably be in heaven. You know, that's, I, I understand that's theologically, that's fuzzy area for us to get into, but I think it probably will be. But listen, listen, you're never, the only thing you can take with you to heaven is other people. That's it. And I think we just need to be careful that we stay committed to the things that are eternal and not let the things that are temporary outweigh those things. Amen? Now, let me tell you one last thing, and then we're going to break out of here into a new week. Just this last week, I'm headed back home, and I'm studying Jonah chapter 4. I'm on the airplane over and over. I'm reading Jonah chapter 4. I'm in by more of a window seat, and uh, I'm looking out. We get up to cruising altitude, about 34,000 feet. And I'm looking out at just the puffy blue clouds, and I'm reading Jonah chapter 4. And what happened is my mind, this last week, it just started to wonder. And so what I did is I just let it go. I just let my mind wonder. I'm traveling, and it's 34,000 feet, so just let it go. And here's what, here's what my mind did. My mind started thinking about heaven. And I started thinking about being at that heavenly Starbucks, right, at the corner of Pearl Street and Gold Street. And, and I'm sitting there, and, uh, and I've got some friends with me. Maybe you know these guys I've got. And this is what happened in my mind at 34,000 feet. I've got Peter with me. Peter's sitting there with me, and we're just talking, stuff like that. And, and James and John are also there. We've got, you know, like one of the small tables there at Starbucks, and we've got just like four chairs scrunched around it, and we're all talking and stuff like that. This is what happens in my mind at 34,000 feet. And so we're sitting here talking, and all of a sudden, in my mind, this, this guy starts bumping in a chair. Have you ever had somebody try and bump in a chair, steal a chair from another table and bump in? That's what's happening in my, in my mind. And it's Jonah. Jonah starts bumping in with us, and he starts just talking about his life and this and that. So we start quizzing him about it. And what was it like to run? What was it like to be in the bottom of a fish? And he, he starts talking about how he went to Nineveh and all sorts of things like that. And, and then, and, and this is what happens in my mind at 34,000 feet. He, he looks at me, and he says, oh, ta 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 That's how he did it. ta 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 I think that's, that's probably how he talks. And he said, i got to show you something. I need to show you something over at my house. Over on my street, over near, over near my mansion, I need to show you something. So in my mind, at 34,000 feet, that's what I do. I just kind of let it wander. And I, I'm walking with Jonah to his, his house up in heaven. And as we get to his street, this is what happens in my mind. As we get to his street, people start coming out of their homes. And, and they start to high five. And, and they start to wave at him. And they start to come give him hugs. And they start to shake his hand. And I'm looking at Jonah. And, and again, just in my mind, I'm looking at Jonah going, Jonah, what? this is weird. Why are all these people coming out of their homes and coming out onto the street? And this is kind of strange. And this is what happens. This is what Jonah says back to me in my mind at 34,000 feet. Jonah looks back and says, oh, Todd, okay, all, all these people here, all, all of them are, uh, they're all Ninevites. They're all Ninevites. There's, uh, there's actually thousands of them here. <laughs> And on earth, uh, we were enemies, but up here, we're brothers and sisters, and uh, we live on the same street, and we just worship God together. That's kind of where my mind went. And I just have this idea, this notion, Parkview, that if we could get into our minds that the only thing that you can take with you to heaven as other people, it would begin to change and rearrange our daily lives. Here's the next step for us this week and also really for this whole series. Who are you taking with you to heaven? 
Who are you going to take with you? When you get to heaven, who's going to high-five you? Who's, who's going to give you a big hug? Who's going to want to come and shake your hand? May we never be a people who let the temporary things of this world outweigh the eternal things of this world, which is people. Because that's the only thing that we're going to take with us to heaven. I think that's the story that God's trying to get through to Jonah. It's been a great series. Let me say one other thing about this. Next week, we're starting a series that's going to go right along with Jonah. It's called Rooted. And we're talking about the five things that God uses to grow our faith. And I promise, I promise, it's going to be one of the most powerful and important series we do at Parkview all year. And so I just want to ask you, would you make a commitment to be in here for all five weeks? If you want to learn more about coming close to God and what it means and how we really take, can take people with us to heaven and, and introduce them to Jesus. These next five weeks are going to go right along with the book of Jonah and they're going to equip us in different ways to live this out. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for this whole series. Thanks for the book of Jonah that a lot of us have known for a lot of our lives, but thank you for the new truth and meaning that we can find. God, thank you for your spirit that surprises us with new things we can apply and live out. God, I pray this week that we would indeed keep our eyes on what's eternal, that we would realize the only thing we're going to take with us to heaven is other people who live around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.